Good morning. There's a story of a man named Philip P. Bliss I would like to share with you and start with this morning. Though born into a Methodist family and raised Methodist, Philip P. Bliss became a Baptist at the age of 12 when he joined the Baptist Church of Cherry Flats, Pennsylvania. His godly parents had prayer and Bible study at family devotions each day. They also spent considerable time in family singing. Bliss would go on becoming one of the most prolific gospel songwriters of his time. In fact, he wrote the music composed for such songs as I gave my life for thee, and it is well with my soul. But Philip P. Bliss was more than a songwriter. He was a husband, a family man, and he loved his wife dearly. He proved this love on December 29, 1876, at the age of 38, he and his wife had taken a train that passed through Ohio. When the train crossed a bridge near Ashtabula, Ohio, the bridge collapsed, and the train cars fell many feet into the river below. Bliss managed to free himself from the wreckage, but the train caught fire with his wife still trapped inside. Despite the blazing fire and the danger to his own life, Bliss went back into the burning train car to find and rescue his wife. He willingly risked his own life to save hers. His attempt, however valiant, brave, courageous, failed. And they both perished in the flames. Philip P. Bliss is an example not only of a man whose life counted for God, but also of a man, a husband, a family man whose love for his wife knew no bounds. How do our lives count for God? How do our lives show a love which knows no bounds, no limits, both a sacrificial and a submissive love? How do we have marriages which honor God? In Ephesians 5, to 33, Paul begins to address the type of love and submission it takes to build strong relationships. We are spirit-filled, and spirit-filled believers are to be building love and submissive relationships. Let me say that again. We are spirit-filled, and spirit-filled believers are to be building loving and submissive relationships. Some of us need to consider cleaning house. Cleaning house. We need to consider our relationships, consider our marriages, our children, our families, and those whom God have placed us over. How do we honor God in these relationships? How do we honor God in our marriages? In our metaphorical houses, what needs picked up, cleaned up, mended, or some attention given to? Paul begins, and so will we today, with godly instructions for our marriages. I have had the great blessing of officiating many marriages. Marriage is a sacred institution that was created and blessed by God as a gift to his people. And in our marriages, people should be able to see not simply a mutual love of one another, but a sacrificial Christ-like love, which points to God with all honor and glory. We honor one another through actions of love and submission to one another. We also honor God. On that blessed day of marriage, I state the words of Christ as he reaffirmed this institution of marriage in Matthew, stating, What God has brought together, let no man separate. Marriage was created by God, and God's design for marriage was to not be broken, not to be abused, 
not to be disrespected. God created marriage and love to be great. And this love is a daily sacrificial and submissive love. God's definition of love requires action, not just feelings. Actions of sacrificial love and sacrificial submission. We all know that being married can be hard at times. How are we to get along, to survive, to honor God in our marriages? It takes sacrifice by both husband and wife. Let's clean house today. Let's look to God's word and see what might need picked up, put in its rightful place, mending or some attention given to. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. Roughly page 919 or 920-ish in those Black Pew Bibles. Last week we ended with an idea from Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 stating, being filled with the Spirit, that's all of us as believers, as followers of Christ, being filled with the Spirit, we've been blessed with this great helper. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. These are signs that you are filled with the Spirit. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It is with this idea of submission that Paul moves forward to now speak of relationships, beginning with marriage. Paul will not speak exhaustively on marriages here, but he does cover important responsibilities to both sides. Please note, Paul is speaking here of Christian marriages, Christian families, as we as Christ followers truly know what it means to sacrifice for another, thanks to Jesus and his sacrificial love and submission for us to forgive us of our sins. Let's read from Ephesians 5, to 33 now. We read, wives, submit, or other translations say, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, speaking of Jesus there. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, we'll speak of those words in parentheses there later. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Verse 28 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, as we continue this study in this great book, says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man, quoting Genesis, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
Thank you for following along here. Marriages have changed through time. And it's important to understand some context here. Where is Paul? Why is Paul writing these things? We speak today of Greco, Greek, Roman, and Roman marriages or ideas. We speak of the 1900s and we speak today. You see, it's common and right for Christian men today and women to think of marriage as a perfect union of body, mind, and spirit between a husband and wife. Let me say that again. It is common and right for Christian men and women today to think of marriage as a perfect union of body, mind, and spirit between husband and wife. But in Paul's day, things were very different. Women were not rightfully loved and respected. Paul was writing to change these things. A little context. In Paul's day, Jews had very low views of women. Research shows that morning prayers of men would include thanking God for not making them a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Jewish law stated that women or a woman was not considered a person but a thing, a possession, and they were often treated as such. No legal rights, and the husband could do with her what he willed. Because of this, divorce in Paul's day was tragically easy, and mistreatment and abuse Also, tragically easy. But only for the man, the wife had no rights. Due to the abuse of the Old Testament law, in addition to her stretching of that law, a man could divorce for almost any reason he pleased and claim he found as he might find, quote, indecency in her. They would stretch that word, indecency in her, and could divorce her. This could be something as simple as a burnt mill, anything. The Greek man expected a wife to run the home, the children, the family, but he may find companionship elsewhere as he was under no rules himself. Romans did not treat their wives much differently, and sometimes a wife could be remarried up to nine times or more due to how easily they might be given up to another. In fact, it was once said, women were married to be divorced and divorced to be married. Passed around like toys, like possessions. God's institution of marriage was in peril. And Paul would give godly instructions on marriage to change the outlook. Instructions for God-honoring marriage. This all comes after Paul writes of how we are no longer Gentiles, no longer futile in our thinking. We are new in Christ and are to strip off the old and put on the new ways of which we imitate God. And honor and glorify him in his will. This all comes after all Christians being in the spirit, I quote, are told to, I quote, be submissive to one another in verse 21. What it all comes down to is this. Paul desires to flip the ideas of marriage around here and back right side up as God intends it to be and to honor God. This is why Paul writes these words in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, words which would not be easy for all to hear as he was calling men and women to a new way of fellowship together in marriage, challenging the men especially. As we review those words once again, it says, wives, submit or be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives 
should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, notice the transition here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. Therefore, again quoting, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Just as marriage was different in Bible days, marriage in modern times has also changed. In the 1950s, there would be books, classes, and training on how to be a properly submissive wife. This could include such training as never being seen with makeup and hair not done up, a house being clean and picked up for a husband's return from work, the thinking chair, a pipe, and a drink ready for him to relax from a long day working in the world, all laundry done, ironing completed. You get the point. Which so much, with so much focus by men over history on their wives' actions, how are men to act? How are women to act? This is what Paul will spend the most time speaking of today. Men and women and their marriage. Sometimes the emphasis of this passage is misplaced. Too often men use this passage to emphasize a blind submission. But the true emphasis is love. Paul here starts to speak of marriages, wives, and husbands' responsibilities to one another. And he starts with stating, wives are to submit or be subject to their own husbands. Now, an interesting fact here is that in the original language, the verb or word for submit is not found here in verse 22. That's why it's in italics there or why it was in parentheses. It's not there. It is implied from the previous verses of 18 to 21 to aid in the reading as Paul transitions and introduces this new idea. You see, all people, all God's people, those filled in the Spirit, are commanded to be submissive to one another for reverence to Christ. And Paul moves forward to give an example of this in marriage and relationships. Note here, note, yes, wives are to be submissive to their husbands, but really, all God's people are to be submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ. To submit is to put the needs and concerns of others above yourself or your own will. To consider the needs, others' needs, others' situations. To consider others in love and care for them as yourself. One pastor stated, submitting to one another implies being a team player. The Christian must not be thoughtless, but think of others. The Christian must not be individualistic, must not be self-assertive. The Christian must never be self-seeking. We must have a team attitude. 
He goes on and says, we must be happy when someone else succeeds or does well. In fact, out of sacrificial love, we must do all we can to help this happen for others. Cleansing and purifying to maturity in Christ and spiritually those whom we love. As a Christian and knowing God's word and Christ's actions, we also know that. We must sacrificially love others and submit to others as we love ourselves. We must lay our rights down for the sake of others, humbling ourselves for others, caring for others, loving others, teaching others. And the list goes on. This is from God's word, not my own. Again, these apply to both men and women, though. All people are to submit to one another. And we're also all called to love one another. But Paul here puts it in the language of marriage and wives and husbands in a perspective which we all need to see. We all have certain responsibilities in the household and are commanded to love and submit. And this isn't a bad thing. This is no inferior, there is no inferiority here. Both are co-equal in Christ but have unique responsibilities. Wives are told here, implied here, to submit to her husband. And this is when it does not cause sin or go against God's will. But husbands must be careful when and how they demand submission. Are they loving? Is what you're requiring submission to out of love or abuse? The word submit may need to be more properly understood here, understood differently than the past. You see, submit has such a bad connotation, but it's not meant to. A wife's submission does not mean obey your husband's, or at least it does not mean obey your husband at all times, in all things, in all ways, even when it places you in danger or sin. Submitting does not mean obeying blindly either. Submit here is a mild and loving word, something done voluntarily and out of love and respect, reverence for the husband and to Christ, as she has been treated, cared for with such sacrificial love as God designed marriage with order. Submit, it means to respond to your husband as unto the Lord. And as J. Vernon McGee stated, in God's word. The way we respond to the Lord is that we love him because he first loved us. Let me say that again. The way we respond to the Lord is that we love him because he first loved us. This is how wives are to respond to husbands as well. This is also how husbands are to respond to their wives. Love and be loved. This submission of the wife to her husband is voluntary as it is a not directly related to her, her only, but related to all. But also dependent upon how she is being treated as well. Husbands are not to rule over wives as drill sergeants, abusive and only commanding what they want. Husbands, how is your wife to be treated? Paul spends nearly three times the amount of time here speaking of the husband's actions. Paul goes into great detail, and I think rightfully so. So much emphasis, historically speaking, has been placed upon the wife's submission. But most emphasis here is on the husband's love. And it's needed to see here. Look to history, to the wrongful treatment of wives, and you see why Paul is spending such time here speaking of the husband. Husbands. 
Be careful here. Be careful how and when you require submission. Verse 25 says to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, you must be careful in how you ask for submission. You must be worthy of it. It must show love. You must show love. Husbands, your actions give reason for your wife's submission. Barring an outline here or part of an outline, an idea of an outline for another pastor, I say, number one, your love must be a sacrificial love. And this is also straight from Scripture. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church, we're told. Christ gave his life for the church freely, not so that they might give to him, but that he could give them himself in forgiveness. Look to that example, that illustration beginning about bliss, that, that man who gave his, wife, his life for the wife. Husband, we must be careful here. We must sacrifice ourselves. I got this shirt as a joke not too long ago. But it says, I do what I want, when I want, and where I want. So often, that's how men act. Except at the end, it says, except I got to go ask my wife. One second. Men, our love must be a sacrificial love. We must put their needs above our own. Notice that the church has come to Christ now because of his submission and his love for them, not by threat. A husband, therefore, is called to also bring about submission of his wife based off a sacrificial love. It is because of his love for her that she voluntarily wants to give submission to him. Yes, as God's word says, and one pastor made clear in this statement, the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head over the church. Paul said this, God's word says this. But Paul's word also, God's word also says that the husband is to love sacrificially, not tyrannically, not by threats, but love, a humble love. 1 Corinthians 13 also states regarding love, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Husbands, your actions give reason for your wife's submission. Are you doing these things? Number two, husbands, your love must cleanse and purify, edify your wife. Just as Christ cleanses and purifies the church, the love of our, our wives should be cleansing and purifying and edifying your wife. Your love should be looking to better your wife, building up and helping them to mature and grow in faith and imitation of God and his ways. Men, we must be spiritually leading our wives in God's word and ways. Listen closely here. A love which drags down is not love at all. True and righteous love builds up, edifies, and brings out their best and who they are called to be in Christ. Men, again, your actions give reason for your wife's submission. And number three is your love must show great compassion and care. This means being thoughtful to consider your wife's circumstances and situations and being compassionate to provide and care for her in all ways. This means loving in a way which cares for her needs and not just our own wants, desires, or agendas. This means looking to her needs above your own needs. 
Now, I have some reminders for the both of you. We can't end this without joining these things together. Husbands and wives, your love must be seen as unbreakable. It must be. God's word says that a husband and wife become one flesh, and what God brings together, let no man separate. We see God's love going so far for his church that he sent Jesus to die for us. Yet how easily do we give up on our wives, on our, on our husbands, on our marriages today? How easily do people threaten or go to divorce instead of seeking proper reconciliation and working through their problems? How do we daily show love by actions and not just feelings? How do we show our partners in marriage both sacrificial love and sacrificial submission? Marriage takes sacrifice on both sides. Yes, marriage can be hard. It takes work. But it is a glorious and godly ordained institution and not to be disrespected. One cannot and should not rip apart their flesh. Neither should marriages be ripped apart so easily as today often happens. Satan wants to wreak havoc on marriages. He wants to destroy them because God has created and blessed them. It was one of the first institutions God created, and with it comes families and community and impact for his kingdom. Satan wants to destroy marriages so that he can destroy these families and communities and take glory away from God. But we, we must remember to treasure these marriages. Work at them. Do not give up. Do not break up. Remember, marriage takes love and sacrifice. Marriage takes submission and respect. Marriage takes work, actions, and not just feelings. Both sides sacrifice and all in reverence of Christ and his love of which he shows us as his church. We must honor God in marriage. We must clean house. We must mend it, fix it, pick it up, clean it up. Also to both men and women. You must know that you're equal in Christ, but have different divinely inspired rules and responsibilities. Women are not inferior to men, nor men inferior to women. We are co-equals in Christ and partners together in marriage. This is not a bad thing and not meant to allow one to tyrannically rule over another. But instead, sacrificially loving and submitting to one another brings honor and glory to God. Husbands, lead spiritually. Follow the Lord. Set an example in your spiritual pursuit of God and in sacrificial love and reverence to Christ. Consider your wife above yourself. Husbands, show care for your wife's desires, her needs, her wants, her situations, and her circumstances. Give a listening ear. Don't always try to fix things, but be there for her. Talk through things. Work through things. A wife will find it easier to voluntarily submit when she feels properly and sacrificially loved and cared for. A wife will find it easier to listen and respect you when you have been her knight in shining armor showing care by knowing her love language and sacrificing yourself daily for her specifically in ways that she needs and desires. Wives, show respect, submission where due based off this love and in reverence of Christ. Finally, to both of you, husbands and wives, remember that your love, your marriage, is in the Lord. Pastor David Platt once wrote, God ordained marriage. Christ sets the pattern for marriage. 
And the Holy Spirit empowers us in our marriage. You see, as we seek to have marriages which honor God, we must dwell on the love, teachings, and actions of Christ daily to learn a rightful pattern. Our marriages should be a mirror of Christ's love and a reflection for the world to see him through. Remember, in marriage there is not two partners, but three. Jesus Christ being the third. He is with you always. Let's honor God in our marriages. Let's clean house. What needs mended, cleaned up, picked up, tended to today? In closing, I challenge you. Talk to your wife. Talk to your husband. Ask what brings them joy. Talk through your relationship. Ask how it might better love and serve each other and glorify God. Let's close in prayer today.